Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I am Matilda Sturridge. When I was 20, I believed that you fell in love, got married and lived happily ever after. When I was 21, I was pregnant. When I was 22, I was a single parent. This is a podcast about how your expectations of parenthood are often altered by the course of your life. This is Bringing Up Us. Welcome back to Bringing Up Us. Today, we're sat in front of a very exciting pop star who has sold two pop... You have to also tell me if any of these facts are wrong. Well, if you overinflate things, I will definitely okay, not you, correct you. Okay, you must. Okay. <laughs> sold 2.1 million records in the UK... You've had six UK top 10s, 11 top 40s, and you're a mother of five boys. As far as I'm aware, those stats are all correct. I mean, they're pretty great <laughs> stats. It's Sophie Ellis-Bexter. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, how are you? I'm really good, actually. Good. Yeah, very good. Excited yeah. about Halloween? Yeah, feeling quite nicely autumnal. Um, I quite like this season anyway. It's quite nice, the transition, isn't it? It's my favourite thing in the whole entire world this mm. season. Oh, it's just the beginning of the festive feeling. Yes. And like yes. Halloween and bonfire night and then like the build up to Christmas. Yes. I'm, I, I go pretty all out and get very excited by it. Yeah, actually me too. Good. Um, okay, so we start off each podcast by asking the question, did you have an expectation of the parent you wanted to be before you had children? Did you even want to have children? Definitely wanted to have kids, yes. Always? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I knew I'd have... Well, I knew I would want to start a family if I could. Um, my mum had me at 23 and she, her mum, my grandma, had her at 23. So I remember being a little bit... I was a bit annoyed that I'd broken the cycle because I got yeah. pregnant with my first at 24. So I was like, ah, I've, I've got it a bit off. I was supposed to continue the 23 <laughs> thing. Um, and then I think I really wanted to be a similar parent to how I'd been raised, actually, which yeah. I think... Sounds like an obvious thing, but then you realise how many people don't necessarily feel like that. Um, and I think I am quite a similar sort of parent, actually, to my folks. And I'm still very close to them. I ask my mum for advice sort of every other day, pretty much. Did you, did you want to have a baby young? Is then when you were saying that your mum and your grandmother had a baby at 23, did you always think, growing up, I'll probably have a baby young? I did, but then that being said, when it happened, it wasn't necessarily what I was expecting to happen because yeah. Richard and I had only been going out for six weeks when we found out we were having a baby. Yeah, I want to talk so, about this. So, yeah, unless I'm like a crazy woman. As people sometimes say, did you plan that? I'm like, I'm not that crazy, yeah. like, seriously. Um, so it was it was still a bit of a surprise. So Richard was on tour with you? So we'd been, he'd been in my band and that's how we met. Yeah. But actually at the time when um, we started dating, we'd actually sort of finished that and he wasn't in my band anymore. Mm. We'd sort of finished the tour, had a summer, 
I'd broken up with someone that I'd been in quite a long relationship with and had just moved into a flat with my best friend and we were like, this is going to be great. We're going to have like parties. It's going to be awesome, just the two of us. And then within a month, she'd enrolled at the poor school drama. So she was working a day job and then staying out, studying to like 11. So yeah. I never saw her. And I was starting to date Richard and then found out I was having a baby. So I'll rock and roll. I think we maybe, I don't think we had a single party actually, no. What, what, <laughs> when you find out that you're pregnant when you're with someone for six months, I mean, no, six weeks, mm. what, what happened? A lot of nervous laughter. Yeah. <laughs> were, you, <laughs> were you, but did you kind of go, oh my God, uh, this is like, this is, this is crazy. Um, or was it a calmness and a stillness to the fact that this was just what's happening and... Something in the middle. I th- no, I think it was a bit more sort of up and down. Initially, I just thought, oh, goodness, this is pretty crazy. And, and you're 24 I, as well. Yeah, and have I made a bit of a mistake because um, we're not in a, we're not living together. Mm-hmm. We haven't had any time as a couple, just the two of us. I don't know what our future holds. Um, I'd just come out of this very sort of grown-up, long-term relationship where I owned a house with someone. So I was like, I, am I supposed to be having some time where I'm not having more drama but um I knew that Richard and I weren't a good thing with each other I did and in amongst it all it sort of made a crazy kind of sense somewhere um and my mum was really helpful because I phoned her up and told her what had happened and she said um it might not be the right time it might not even be the right man but it's the right baby and I kind of clung to that a bit, really. Do you know I've clung to that saying that your mum told you because your brother told it to me? Really? Yeah. And Aww. I was like, oh my God. That's very That's, sweet. It's like the kind of, because I remember when I was pregnant and I was, I all I did was Google who was young and successful and had children young. Mm. And then I spoke to Jack about, I know Sophie's brother a bit and I spoke to Jack about it and Jack told me what your mum told you. And I now, I always say that line to people Aww. as well. Because when did you have your first baby? I was 22 when I had him. 21 when I was pregnant. Yeah. 22 when I had him. Okay. And I didn't know anyone. No. Who'd had, I didn't, A, didn't know anyone who'd, I mean, I knew obviously family who'd had babies and mm-hmm. I was around babies at the time, but I didn't know anyone who was young and no. had a child and had a career yeah. and sort of made, because you don't, you know, you don't know if your relationship is going to work. No. And it and, does feel really, it's isolating actually having a baby. Yeah. I mean, I adored Sunny from the get-go, um, but I was not... I come from a big family. I don't mm. even live that... Even then, I was not living that far from my mum, probably 15 minutes. But I was surprised by how lonely I felt a lot of those days as well. I've got... When I think back to that time, I just got lots of memories of me sort of pushing in the buggy and walking sort of for ages and ages, and it's all a bit aimless, and not knowing anyone else who had a baby, and still meeting up with my girlfriends when I could... And them not really understanding that my life had really changed quite significantly. I so think, them yeah. being an hour late to meet me meant I couldn't, I don't know, read him a, a bedtime story when yeah. he was two or three. And that meant a lot to me. So And also the way that you just grow up and your world changes and you don't, you stop being selfish and your life revolves around someone else being more important. When that happens to you when you're so young, mm. it's really hard for like other people to kind of understand that. And you have all your friends who are 24, 25 and going through their 20s mm. and you're in a completely different headspace and have this sort of epiphany of life, which they haven't experienced yeah. yet. And I remember it was always so hard mm. to sort of, to for them to relate to it and you to relate to yeah. them sometimes. Yeah. And it is lonely having a baby, no matter what situation you're in. It's always the beginning. Lonely. It's mm. hard. You're it discovering is. new things and you are also having to really keep a child 
alive with your body. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so scary. Yeah. But you had with Sonny mm. preeclampsia. I did, yes. So that's high blood pressure. Uh, it's basically, essentially it's your body rejecting the placenta. Right. So it affects lots of different things. So yes, the, some of the symptoms are very high blood pressure. Um, you know, when you're pregnant, and you have to keep weeing in a pot yeah. all the time. They're checking to see if there's any protein because your kidneys don't work as well. It affects your liver. Um, and eclampsia comes from the Greek for coma. So preeclampsia is basically they diagnosing you before you have what would happen if they left you, which is going into a coma. Um, so in the that. olden days, women would die from preeclampsia because it was if, it was most common with your first baby, the first pregnancy. Um, so if you weren't diagnosed, it could just strike and then that's that's that really. So when were you diagnosed? Um, I was 31 weeks pregnant. So um, out of the sort of danger zone bit, but also uh, still two months before I was expecting to have a baby and we hadn't done any antenatal and Richard had uh, moved into the uh, flat about two weeks before. Um, and I was uh, a mixture of emotions, but mainly actually quite relieved because I'd always thought I'd like to have a baby, I'd mm. like to be pregnant. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm actually really rubbish at this. I feel terrible, I'm getting these headaches, I look puffy, uh, I don't want to see anyone. I, I just wasn't feeling good in myself at all. Um, but because I was a otherwise fit 24-year-old young mum, I was having just midwife-led care, so it meant I didn't really see people at the hospital that, that frequently. Yeah. Um, so I'd just gone in for a sort of routine checkup and they'd said, oh, your blood pressure's a bit high. Can you take these pills over the weekend and pop in to see us on Monday and we'll check you again and see if they're working. And over the weekend, I remember reading my mother book, you know, baby and mother book, and it said this whole thing about preeclampsia and I thought, I just know that's me. I just know that I, I, all the f symptoms, I thought, I, I, that's, I'm sure that's what I've got. And the next day I popped in to go and have my blood pressure done and they said, you're not going home, you can't you're not going home to pack a bag, you're not allowed to leave, we're gonna put you in an ambulance and take you somewhere where there's cots for the baby. And I remember thinking, why do they need a cot for the baby? I'm, I'm only seven months pregnant. So I think it took a little while for the penalty drop because I just wasn't expecting to have him that week. And so there and then they said, we have to give you an emergency cesarean and we have to get him out. Uh, yeah, so I got diagnosed on like Tuesday and I had him on Friday. So they sort of tried to keep, they say every day counts, every hour counts yeah. really when they're that little. But um. Some of it was a bit familiar. My sister Martha had been born 10 weeks early when I was 11. Right. So I knew a little bit about what a premature baby looks like when they're in the hospital and all the wires and tubes and the sounds of that hospital. And also I knew a sort of successful happy ending to that because Martha had, you know, turned into a really happy, bright, smiley person. So yeah. I thought, it's, I know it's going to be all right in the fullness of time, but yeah, it's not an ideal way to oh, so welcome your, your baby. first baby, I think, you know, you, I, I can imagine what, uh, intensive care unit is for a baby but I have I can't imagine it I have absolutely mm. no idea what it's like and then for your first baby and that to be your experience and you were in hospital for six weeks with him uh so he was in hospital for six weeks I think I was in for a couple of weeks and then I was discharged so then yeah the, but that night when I came home I felt really so, weird so what happens when you when they say you're discharged but obviously your baby is still in hospital uh, um, do they are they like okay so you go home now and go to sleep and we're doing the night shift and then you come yeah. back yeah, well, you can spend as much or as little time as you want. Yeah. So um, with Sonny, we'd go and visit him um, twice a day. So we'd go in the morning for a couple of hours and then come back again in the afternoon, evening. And I was expressing milk all the time yeah. because I got a bit fixated with that because I knew it was a job I could do that no one else could do. And also yeah. to me, it was a symbol, wherever I was, what I was doing, that I just had a baby. Because obviously to no one else, you, you don't know like you've just had a, a baby at all. You haven't yeah. got a baby and what buggy and nothing else is happening. 
So it was the thing I clung to was I'm a new mum and somewhere out there my baby's in a hospital and this is something that can help him. And did you have, and did the hospital as well as obviously your family give you all the support because I can imagine that it must be a really peculiar thing coming home without the baby. Mm. Yeah, but then the way I chose to look at it is that there was never going to be a situation where he was home at that point. He was. Mm. I was either going to be still pregnant with him or he was going to be in hospital. That's really so good I felt like, it. well, it's the, it's also the, the truth, isn't it? Yeah. There was no, you know, parallel universe where I'm pushing him around in the buggy and everybody's coming to visit. He needed to be there. He wasn't ready to come home. So I think you put a lot of trust in in the care that he's getting there. And there's, you know, tons of medical stuff that's way, way, way outside of my remit as his mum. So you just have to rely on that, really. And then he came home. And then he came home, yeah, exactly. And then you kind of start again, really. And yeah. you think, all right, now let's do this properly. And um, what was it, it was like lovely. bringing him home knowing that you'd only just moved in with Richard, now you're together in your flat mm. and bringing home your baby? How, what was that like? And how was that on your relationship? And how did you be two people that had only just fallen in love, but mm. also two people that had had a baby and were kind of figuring out whether or not your future would be together or apart or yeah that weirdly I think by the time Sonny came home we weren't really asking those questions about it anymore um because actually even though even when I was pregnant we we sort of realized that it was quite quite proper but it we just wanted to do it on our own terms yeah so we still during the time I was pregnant we were still dating um it was just it was a slightly more comedic version. You know that film Knocked Up? Yeah. It's basically, that's, yeah. we kind of think that's very <laughs> similar to our, our beginning. So, I mean, I remember meeting his parents for the first time properly and I was probably about four or five months pregnant. I mean, it's just a bit embarrassing, really. But it's amazing. It's a bit cringy. It's amazing. Um, and then uh, we sort of went on, it was a bit like that, uh, that, there's a film called Green Cards, which I don't know if you've seen, but there's a bit where they, they basically, these couple try and pretend they've had a relationship for a really long time, even though they're, they're faking their marriage. So Rich and I went first to a, I think we went to New York for a city break when I was probably about, I don't know, three months pregnant. So we took lots of pictures there, very wintry. And then in the spring, beginning of the year, maybe February, we'd gone away to Italy. It was a bit sunny. It was like, okay, now we've got some sort of sunny we've pictures traveled. of us. Yeah, yeah we've, we've traveled done the world. stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it was definitely um, a bit of a shock to the system when Sunny was suddenly there early. But by then, I think we weren't, I don't think we were having any conversations about our future by then. I think we were feeling quite uh, like a family, actually. And did you find it sort of easy, sort of still being young and having a baby and, you know, creating your your love story with with Sonny? Well, the nice thing is the way I look at it is we've, we've been a family from the get-go, really. Yeah. We never really had time when we weren't. I mean, unless you count the first six weeks, but that's a bit... Yeah, yeah. Um, there's sort of been three of us from the beginning. So I think, yeah, in a lot of ways, it's sort of... Uh, crystallized a lot of how we, the dynamic between us and raising raising young children and having that sort of I mean so much of parenthood is is reactive rather than proactive it's mm. like you said at the beginning what kind of a parent do you think you'd be I think you do have ideas but I think also your child tells you what they need from you and I think my job with my kids is a lot more about responding to that what they want rather than imposing what I think should be happening on them yeah. I mean, I probably don't always get that balance right. But um, yeah, so I think um, we we had our relationship alongside that framework of having to be a little bit flexible and aware of what Sonny's doing and 
we, I don't know, I suppose we just had a lot of stuff happen very early that you couldn't, we didn't plan for and we didn't predict, like having him early. And then when he was only four months old, he got quite ill, he had meningitis. So all these sorts of things that are quite big Did you? I didn't know and that. intense, but then you just sort of get through it. And then you think, okay, well, I understand now that it's, you can't always make the plans. You have to actually just be the family bobbing along and Did you feel stronger adventure. for it because you were... Uh, yeah, actually, I think so. I mean, it felt a bit ludicrous. It felt like we had a lot of drama very early um, because my uh, my second album had also been released. Um, so Rich and I started dating in August. By September, I knew I was pregnant. My first single from my second album came out in September. It was a song called Mixed Up World. And I remember being on Top of the Pops and singing... Um, I think that of course like if you, when you're feeling kind of mixed up just remember it's a mixed up world and if you're feeling life is just too tough remember you're a real tough girl and I'm like the record company have no idea <laughs> I'm pregnant um, I was also at the time just to add a little bit more into the mix in terms of uh, pressure and stress the ex-boyfriend that I had got out of this very uh, icky separation from was also my manager so he was still managing me at the time and didn't oh. know I was dating my old bass player Listening. so it was just a lot of stress, oh a lot of stress. Our life has never really been that stressful again, if I'm honest. Were you, <laughs> I mean, I can't, like, I feel like there's like so many books and films in the story already and we haven't, we, 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 I mean, we're only, Sonny's only tiny. We haven't even yeah. got all the others yet. I know. Were you worried about, you were already, you know, paving your way in the music industry, mm. as was your husband. Mm. Were you worried that when Sunny came that you it would all be a bit different or you wouldn't want to do it and you would want to be with him or, or that, you know, it's such a... I mean, I can't even imagine that you... Like, the travel and the work that goes into being a musician is so huge. It is, and also you sort of have to create your own opportunities and your own luck, really. Like, yeah. there's a lot of times where if I don't sort of go, right, let's do this next bit, then, you know people probably go, oh, that's nice. You yeah. just decided to do something else now then. And that, so sometimes you do feel like you're, you have to be your own sort of cheerleader through a lot of it. But actually, uh, I never, sounds a bit selfish. It never occurred to me not to keep working. I mean, partly because, you know, you've got to provide for your kid, but also I, I actually just really like doing what I do. Um, and I think also I was not prepared for and happily surprised by the fact that having Sonny made me a lot more driven again, actually. It yeah. kind of made me... It pushed me better, I think. And so everything I did then, if I, every time I set foot outside the door, and I'm sure you feel the same, mm. if it's time when I'm away from my baby, then I, it's got to count for something. Absolutely. So I don't want to sit around and not, you know, not write a song or not go and do the best gig I can or whatever it may be because I've, I've left them for it. So it's got to be real. I've got to be adding some value, really. Were your team and your family and friends supportive of it? Um... My friends were quite surprised, but yeah. all yeah, they were they were supportive. Yeah, they were actually. Um, I've had the same friends for a really long time, so there it felt. The nice thing is, Sunny always felt like quite a communal baby. Yeah, um, yeah, which is something you might feel yeah. like too. Yeah, so it felt like everybody knows him in a way they don't know everybody else's kids that mm -hmm. have come along since then. And they all are part of raising yes, your child, absolutely. which is completely amazing and how it should be in that kind of Italian yes. way of, you know, Rudy has been raised by by, obviously by me, but by every yeah. part of people in my life have been such a huge part of him. Yeah. Which is so amazing. And yeah. I feel so, so lucky amazing. and honoured that, that 
he has that experience. Nice for him too. It's lovely so if he's nice. going to have conversations yeah. with all sorts of different people. But also, he's a child. He can talk to anyone and will talk to anyone and will be interested and interesting uh. and articulate. And that's just so lovely. And that's because, you know, he's been around lots of grown-ups. Yeah, well, Sonny's very similar like that, um, which I think is, a, yeah, again, a really good thing. Um, so I like that sort of, yeah, it takes a village is always the sort of thing yeah. I, I remember. as a really nice way to think of raising yeah. kids. But so you, but I feel like you were the first person that kind of would was you know out there and being a pop star, but also having a bump and or having a baby backstage and it was. I'm sure I wasn't. I'm though. sure you were, but I feel like I would like I I don't think I I've happily ever take that man. Seen but I don't someone, think it's mine but to someone take. like jump around the stage with a big baby with a big baby in their tummy, with a baby in their tummy. It's like oh my god, it was like I I just remember watching you every single time that you've had a baby being like wow like she's still going like there's no yeah yeah I think as well you gain confidence I think because uh I think I felt a lot more I don't know less sure of myself doing things like that maybe with my first baby maybe even my second but by the time you get to the sort of fourth and fifth you're thinking I just want to do that stuff and I quite enjoy the fact that people are a bit like ah you were jumping around and we were worried about the baby and I'm like were you it's fine (laughs) What totally made fine. you go? So you went from Sunny to baby number two. Yes, quite three quite years, five years actually. Five years. Yeah, quite oh, okay. a big gap so there actually. Bit, there was a gap. Yeah, I wasn't ready for quite a long time. Were you always thinking of having another baby, and did you maybe go into you know when Sunny was three, being like, okay, we're now. You got? Did you get? You got married? And uh, when did you get married? And when he was one. Oh um, so he was about fourteen months, I think, fifteen months, um, and then. Uh, so no, I wasn't ready to have another baby for long. It didn't really occur to me actually. I think having a, the first baby is such a big shock. Mm-hmm. Your life totally changes, but also you're completely. I was completely, you know, transfixed by everything he was doing. So I didn't really feel the need to have any more actually. I, and I liked Richard went away on tour a lot around then. So for about two years, Richard wasn't really home that much. Yeah. So it was a lot of time just Sunny and I. And I think I quite liked it really. Yeah. Um, I quite liked our little bond and our little adventures. And it was only actually when he got to about four and started talking a lot about babies. He was always very interested in babies. And if we were in a cafe and there was another baby, he'd go straight over there and play with the babies. He's actually quite um, unusually good with the babies, I think, always, even when he was very small. Um, and so it was really from him I thought, oh, I think he's quite up for having a sibling now. So, yeah, when he was about four, we'd been on holiday and Sonny had been saying, you know, toy shop windows, let's buy that for our baby. I was like... Maybe it's time. So yeah, then along came Kit. Were you worried when you have another baby about, and also, you know, you've had five years with Sunny, were you worried about having other child and loving other child and would it be the same? And I feel like I definitely have that panic. It's been Rudy and I for eight years and we've been such a team. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information, 
information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I kind of go, oh my God, you know, I want millions of children if I could. But I do kind of go, oh my God, am I going to, is, is it all going to change? Am I going to be really sad? And am I going to miss that moment? And was there a kind of fear of, someone else is coming and this is all going to change everything. Yeah, and actually I've had that every time I've had a baby because I think you you have your family and you're happy with your family and you love the where you are with your, ba- your, with your child. So that makes you think having another one would be great. And then you think, am I going to ruin the fact that this is a happy situation mm. by having this other child? It's yeah. weird. It's like a, but, you ha- but, but it's the feeling happy that promotes you thinking, let's, let's do this more, you know, a yeah. bigger family. So I think, yeah, every time I've always thought, is this going to be a terrible thing? Is it going to upset everything? What's What if this child, um, you know, I think, yeah, especially with my second one, I'm thinking, how, how can I possibly love no, another baby yeah. in the same way? But then along came Kit and he was a totally different baby. And there's been, he's like, I can't, you know, he's such as like, he's a very big character in the family as well, Kit. He's, he's quite quirky and interesting and a really curious kid. And I'm like, the idea of our family not having a person like that in it is like unimaginable, you yeah. know? I think that's what I love about it. That's what I got a bit, a bit addicted to. Really, is thinking who else is out there that can bring also, along yeah. this different thing. You forget that they're all total individuals that you're creating. Yes. You're not creating. So it, different. And, and it's. I think you kind of think that oh, you're gonna birth a child that's like you or, yeah. or like their father, and they come out, and you're like, oh wait, no, you no. are. You are. I know. Completely your own person. Completely your own person. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes way more than you're expecting. Yeah. Because I thought Sonny was a very big personality, so I was a bit like, oh, poor kid. He's got a kind of find his place it's like I really didn't need to worry at all and Kit also <laughs> was born premature you had yeah. to do with Kit as well I did and actually that was I think more slightly more traumatic actually yeah. because uh, I had him a bit earlier so I was only a week earlier but he was born at 31 weeks but he only weighed two and a half pounds he was a really tiny baby and he had a lot more issues in the beginning he when he first was born uh, he had one collapsed lung and then by the third day he wasn't really tolerating any food they couldn't work out why. Then they realised his other lung had collapsed. And so they had to do an emergency 
um, I don't remember what it's called. I want to say pneumothorax, but I think that's just the word for collapsed lung. Yeah. But they put basically put a tube in, and because they had to do it in an emergency, and he got sepsis, they had to put him in a little box and an incubator with a full respiration for a week and on, on morphine. We couldn't pick him up. We couldn't retouch him. That was then. That was really tough because we thought, have we been lucky enough once, and we're not going to be lucky enough again? It's, that, that was quite scary. But then children are really resilient, actually, and so they're so strong. Yeah, he just sort of kept, uh, I don't know, not getting too knocked down, I guess, and getting stronger and stronger until after I think six and a half weeks, he was allowed to come home. But he was still only three pounds ten when he was discharged. Oh my God, that is so it was horrible. Tiny. Yeah, it was really too small. Actually, Did I felt they... scared of having him at home. We yeah, we we frightened about having him. Yeah, because he was always quite... I found it hard to keep him warm. It sounds silly, but he just... Yeah. His temperature was always... I'm, I just remember him coming home and putting him in the Moses basket and having, putting, like, six blankets on top of him and having the, the fire so that he could, you know, could warm the room and phoning the hospital and them saying, no, just keep putting blankets on and yeah. make sure your house is warm and he'll be fine. Or Do you like, have do you have support when you bring home... I mean, you know, you, we have so your midwives. Yeah, often, you it. have your... Um, the midwives when you have a midwife check and all that kind of stuff. When you bring home a tiny baby, is there more support actually no is there anyone to call where you go i'm really worried you can phone the hospital whenever you want but obviously the hospital have got other new babies that they need to look after so they're there as a sort of i suppose advice line and i think you know very sort of british way probably i always felt a bit of a nuisance so i think i only literally phoned maybe (coughs) once or twice uh to see what if you know things were going all right um beyond that you i mean i'm sure there's families who have much more profound versions of this if your child mm. has other medical things but mm. anything that falls outside of quite a normal traditional thing is you know your health visitor has to sort of ruffle lots of notes and go oh right and remember i don't know they're training for what the premature well that's how it felt to us anyway and i remember our health visitor when she came round uh the first time i met her and i opened the door and i had sunny in a sling and she went oh um be careful wearing that because a woman actually suffocated her baby uh recently uh by wearing a sling and she didn't notice and i was like oh i never wore a sling again with with him because i thought oh i don't want to kill him by using a sling you really don't want someone to say that and it's such an unfair thing to say it's also it's just <laughs> i've used a sling subsequently and it's, yeah. it's been fine but there's just things like that aren't there that and get it's said. frightening and someone says yeah just like well oh, okay well i'm never i'm not gonna do that <laughs> yeah obviously okay i won't do this did you uh, with preeclampsia, do you, if you've had it before, is it likely that you'll have it again? Well, actually, when I was pregnant with Kit, they said, uh, second time, less likely if it's the same dad, uh, you're, you're less yeah. likely. But I actually got it, did get it worse with, with Kit, but apparently that's just really bad luck. Um, but then everything's been fine since then. Even so nice. Ray was full full term and chubby and yeah, and that was completely different. Wow, I, was I love say, that. What was it like having your first baby brought home, baby number three? Yes. That wasn't in intensive care. Oh, I loved it. It was blissful. It actually felt blissful because... And you had that experience. Yeah, that and I was so glad it was that way around. So mm-hmm. I didn't know what I'd been missing out on before. Yeah. But also babies are such a cleverly designed little thing when that, you know, the way that they can... Like the feeding was a complete revelation to me because... With the first two, I'd had to use these horrible pumps, which have got a lot better now, by the way. Like, technology has moved on significantly. But the first one I had with Sunny was like a hospital-grade, single side, you know, and every three to four hours you're doing that for 20 minutes each side. So it's 40 minutes every three to... It doesn't sound like much, but it's all through the night as well. It really takes over. And also sometimes you just get nothing out, and they're just there for hours. Oh, it's demoralising. It's absolutely And you turn up, and there's all these other mums, like, chucking, you know... Yeah, it's 18 bottles of frozen milk into the communal freezer and I mean I remember Sunny actually had to have occasionally other people's donated milk just because I didn't have enough 
that I dropped off that day or That's that week. A, how easy is it to get other people's donated milk? Someone when it's in the hospital, I think it's they have a supply for the, for the premature babies. Yeah. So there it was fine. But I think if you want to donate it, I think it's quite hard because you have yeah, to do lots you of screening. To, yeah. Um, but um, so but having a newborn that wasn't in hospital, I just realised, wow, they feed all the time. Like, yeah. No wonder I was struggling <laughs> to keep up. These babies, it's not just like, oh, you know, oh, it's been three hours, here I go. It's more like you sort of feel like someone's attached to you for two months, pretty much. That's how I felt anyway with Ray. And um, But then it's just such a clever system and I just love to be able to cuddle him all the time mm-hmm. and take him out and about and go, oh, yeah, this baby's two weeks old or three weeks old and show him to people rather than, well, he's two months old, but, you know, he looks small because of this, you know, yeah. having to sort of give it a slight caveat. It's not a big deal, but it was nice not having to do it. Yeah. You went from three to five. Yeah, I know. Did you always know? <laughs> it always makes me laugh even now. Honestly, how many children does Sophie have? I was like, five. She's like, five. I know, but I feel a bit <laughs> like that too. It's, um, uh, I think it's, it's amazing. a lot. It's I amazing. Think. It's a lot, but I it's I know people so have more, great. but it's still a lot. Yeah. Did you know, when, from sort of three, I always feel like three is where lots of people be like, okay, we've got three kids. Yeah. Sort of, we're stopping. Some people do it two, some people, but three is, yeah, I'm one of three. A... I always thought, you know, three, that's what everyone should ever have because I'm one of three. Yeah, I'm one of three on my mum's side too. What did you go? <laughs> Why did I keep going? Why did you, go, did you know, were you like, <laughs> I definitely want another one? Or mm. I definitely want another two? Well, oh, I this, is want where, three. this is where my husband, Richard, just definitely thinks I'm crazy because when I have a baby, there's something about the hormones that immediately make me want another one, which yeah. is weird. I know I it's weird. That. Yeah, so I get broody yeah. by the act of having a baby. So he's always like, you've had a baby, you've got one, you're holding you're one. Holding I'm like, like, I know, but I want another one as well one day. So on the day I had Ray, literally the day, I said to him, I want another one one day. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and then would sort of make lots of silly faces about it for out, you know, like... People go, do you think I have any more? And he'd always look like, oh, definitely not. I was thinking, I can work with that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we had Jesse. Um, and then having the fifth was a bit more of a conversation because I got really broody and just like, I, def- I just want another one. I just yeah. want one more. I'll be able to fit one more in before I turn 40, which in my mind made some kind of sense of like, I want to, you know, I don't really, at the time I thought, I don't really want to have babies in my 40s. Although obviously now I've had Mickey, I'm thinking, it's 42 so bad. Exactly, 42 um, eggs are perfect age. <laughs> but in reality, I mean, the house is pretty stuffed. Everybody's sharing room. I've got three in one room and you know, I'm like, where do I even put another? Anyway, so um, yeah, I think I was a bit more concerned about, you know, my health and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I said to Richard, well, why don't we just see what happens and trust, you know, if my body goes, yep, yeah, thumbs up, let's have a baby. I'll trust in that. And if it doesn't work. So when I got pregnant with Mickey, um, I did think, I said to him, I'm going to really try my best to be at peace with whatever happens. So if I don't, if for some reason yeah. I miscarry this pregnancy, I'm not, I don't want to be one of someone that keeps trying and trying mm. and trying because I think it'll take a toll on my four other healthy, happy boys. And I don't want to do that to them. So I'll just have to try and be like, whatever will be, will be. Yeah. And luckily it all went really smoothly. I actually had a very, very nice pregnancy with Mickey. And what was the transition like in a, in a household from... One, two, three, four to five. Uh, How did your boys take take to new babies and a busier home? Mm. And also, they're great, you know, how old's Sonny now? He's 15. Which After like, this, I'll have to go and wake him up because obviously he's still asleep. <laughs> which is like amazing. Which is like, you have a 15-year-old mm. and a newborn and you're having to be a mother to a teenager, which mm. 
scares me in a mm. but in a wonderful way because I know it's There's a lots new, of good, lovely stage. But it's also but it's it's tough. a complicated stage. Complicated is a good. And word. you're still having to be a mother to a ten month old as well as a seven yeah. year old going through times tables. You're doing so many different stages yeah, it, is, it is quite uh, full on sometimes and like my second one down and I'm about to leave his primary school so he's in year six so I've got to try and find a secondary school it's all that stuff it's like sometimes it does feel a bit like like managing different projects in a way yeah you know it's like in my head they've all got sort of like you know you've got a really actually a better analogy is um I think of it like having different planets mm-hmm. so you have to keep landing on each planet and checking that everything's growing all right there and it's the atmosphere's fine and doing all your checks because the kids it's like you have to keep an eye on them so much mm-hmm. and at any one time a couple of them will be like okay you're definitely okay at the moment you're happy you're fine so then I do have to keep sort of switching where my attention has, yeah. has gone because sometimes you know one of them or two of them might need me a whole lot more you know than the others do at that time and certainly for the last year my main focus has been my eldest and my youngest because obviously a newborn needs all the stuff that goes with having a baby but Sonny has needed me a more sort of complicated and grown up way because, yeah, he's sort of going through 14, 15 and he's moved school this year and starting GCSEs and all that sort of stuff. So he's he's had a lot of, well, as much time, more time than I thought I was going to have to give him at this point because yeah. you sort of feel like they'll be off and doing their thing. But actually, that's the advice I always give people when they're about to have a teenager is don't let them do that, actually. They, they don't think that they want you, but they really need you. They re- yeah. I, that, yeah, my mum's always said that. They kind of, they just, yeah, you're so needed, even though when you're in it as a teenager, you're the last thing you sort of want is your parents' input, yet you so crave it. Yeah, yeah, you and really that do. stability, it's like you still need that structure. And actually, within that, having Mickey has actually been brilliant because Sonny, whenever, like every night I'll take Mickey to go and say goodnight to Sonny and always give him a cuddle and they have really lovely bond with each other and I think Mickey's almost been like a sort of mascot or something or sort of um, non-judgmental loving exchange it's got quite a pure relationship so I think having a baby in the house actually with going alongside a teenager I mean I think there should be some sort of baby therapy for teenagers actually it's been so positive for him I think do they all enjoy each other do they enjoy being by and large yeah (laughs) they like being from a big family and I think when you're saying before about people having three the way I look at it is that three, when if you have three kids, you've got a big, small family. Yeah. But when you have four kids, you have a small, big family. And five, you're kind of going more into a big family now. Yeah. And I think it's quite defining, actually. I feel like it's going to be a thing that's, that will be quite a big part of their character, that they yeah. came from a big family. Um, and I can see a lot of benefits to it, actually. I think there's so many benefits to a big yeah. family. And also sharing your life yeah. with siblings. And life goes on. And, yes. and you have these these core people in your life and also as your parents get older and you have your siblings to sort of help and I just think it's an amazing thing to give a child if you can it's yeah. such a lovely thing it's not for everybody but I love it um yeah I I mean I I would I mean I would love to have five you're you my you're, yeah exactly you you're when you're saying <laughs> I feel like that what a nice thing of like starting at 24 and then being like I can go for a bit <laughs> I can go, I can you know you can you can do this have you having one of five and having to do all you have to do you were just talking about how do you and Richard still have an amazing career and you're about to go on tour mm. how do you do that tour but it's not the hard bit because obviously then I go away it's yeah. more the bit where it's it's more things where I'm sort of trying to do 
everything a bit compressed. Um, and sometimes I do feel like, like this last week is sort of the best of times and worst of times of how that all works, really. Because like on Thursday, I went to I had to go to Moscow for a gig, but mm. because it was during half term, I actually took Ray, who's seven. So Ray and I had this lovely two nights away in Russia, and we did loads of sightseeing and had lots of fun. But then when we got back on Saturday night, so we got back to the house about seven, I put everybody to bed and then I'd agreed to sing to a, a birthday party. So I left the house quarter to 11, sang about midnight, got back at about half one, but then was quite awake. So I fell asleep about half two, quarter to three. Then Mickey, who didn't really take on board the clocks changing, he woke up at half five. So then we had this amazing trip to uh, Richmond Park and all the colors of autumn were there and it was beautiful. And I was looking, you know, Richard took these lovely pictures and on Instagram he's put a little sort of medley of them. I was like, with that you don't get the fact that I was also just like in a really bad mood for a lot yeah. of the day and quite yeah. snappy. And Very by bedtime tired. you're a bit like, just go to sleep. You know, there's a lot of like, ah, oh, I just, I really just need you to go to bed because I've been up since half five and I'm exhausted and I've got to leave the next morning. Like yesterday morning I had to get, leave the house at six to get a train to Liverpool. And I'm like, I've got other stuff I'm doing. And then you always end up walking away and then coming back and going, sorry about that. And then Kit so said, hard, yeah. yeah, and Kit said to me, I thought you were going to come back and say sorry. I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, sometimes you do this thing where you get really cross and I think she'll come back later and say sorry. <laughs> so, so that's how you so stay funny. on to me being crazy. And also crazy. it must be so, it's like, you you know, you're so tired and doing so much and you say that and like, I, I have so much respect for you. But then you have these children being like, I don't care. Yeah, like, I know. I don't care if you came back at two in the morning. Like, you know, yeah. I want my breakfast. Absolutely. Like, you're not allowed to be grumpy because yeah. I've been looking forward to this walk. Yes, and the exactly. And the so, oh, it's like trying to do it all. Um, how have you managed to have a great marriage? Well, I've... I don't want to be too smug because, you know, I feel you like could you, be you, smug. Can, you can have to be married for like, like, what, 60 years or something to be like, well, the secret is. But uh, I think it's part of it's slightly um, good fortune of evolving the same because so much about uh, being you know, a couple and being married is about so many things you have to share that you don't speak about all the time, you know, shared ideas of... I don't know, how you want your holidays to go or how your downtime runs or even how you manage the everyday stresses of just running a house and domestic things. And mm -hmm. you don't want to have to explain everything. So when people say, well, marriage takes lots of work, I kind of think it shouldn't really feel like that, though, should it? And I'd, so I think if you're lucky enough that as you... Because, you know, Richard and I are not... There's lots about this that's the same, but there's lots of things that have changed since we were 23, 24 and first got together. Um, but I think we've just really, I feel like you kind of, we've almost more for, for sort of becoming more and more like the same person, really. And I don't think you can work at that. I think that that sort of just happens to you when it feels right. But also we've been a bit selfish with our, our time as well. And sometimes we do have times where we go out for a date night or we spend a lot of time together and working. So Rich is on tour with me too. And next year I've got a two week tour in Australia and Rich is going to come. He's not working, but he just wants to come with me so we can have this adventure of going around these places which will also be the longest i've ever been away from the kids two weeks that's going to be a bit tough but yeah. you know that's the way we've kind of chosen to do it like making little excuses to turn a work thing into a fun thing really and we do that as much as we can because i think you need shared experiences yeah relationships have to be full of vitality don't they it can't be like oh five years ago we used to do everything together but now we're kind of leaving separate lives you've got to really keep it very much in the here and now and, and i just think making time for each other is just so 
so important and your it children is. your family came from you two yes and you have to remember what you two are and i think it's it's so easy to get trapped into this you go out for the dinner i'll be here with the children I know. You? and it's like but my my mum always gave and i've had so much support with especially not from having ollie come into our lives is that she's just like it's so you know your relationship is so important mm. and the three of you are so important but yep. also you must travel together and have a babysitter and go out to dinner together and yeah. see your friends and you know and because then you have those moments together and you have your moments as a family mm. together and yeah and I think to make time is just so good for the soul it is it's crucial also you'll you know it really will really react respond and be happy seeing you happy and doing that that's exactly. that's a normality and a happiness and a warmth that radiates and gives him that security that yeah. that's that that's an okay way for him to be you want to give the example of it's all right to do this and hopefully you'll do it one day when you're a grown-up and yeah. having a relationship so um i can see the kids like it when richard and i are happy yeah so and life is it, fun and exciting and it yeah. should always continue to be fun and exciting exactly. just because you have a family and children and responsibilities you should still see the joy in yeah everything exactly I'm really glad that I asked you that question. I'm going to listen to the answer again. <laughs> point. Yes, it's okay. Um, okay, so we're coming to the end of the podcast and we end each episode mm-hmm. with the question, which I never say right. <laughs> what is the one bit of advice that you would give your pre-parent self? Sounds like you asked that right. It's taken me 11 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> How do I answer it right? Um, that's tricky. Because I suppose you... I think um, I'd probably try not to be so hard on myself, actually. I think, um, I don't think it ever goes away, that feeling that you're, you do parenting one way and then you think, oh, I think I've been doing it wrong, actually. Uh, I've now realised it should be this way. And so all the previous stuff, you know, if you're trying to problem solve. So I think I'd probably try to be a bit more relaxed on myself because I think you never realise how much guilt is associated with being a mum. I think too much guilt sometimes. Also, to be reassured that, of course, as their mother, I'm a massive influence on them. But I'm not the only influence. There's loads of other voices. So even if you do get it a bit wrong, there's lots of balance. They're not just learning from from you. They're learning from their friends' parents that they see or other stories they hear or all the, you know, friends we were talking about that are helping to have chats with them and put context to things and experience. So I suppose just to sort of relax a bit more really but I think you have to learn it by doing it don't you it's hard that's a really good answer is it though that's my favourite answer that I've had oh yeah that's nice I've really enjoyed that (laughs) Um, thank you so much for coming on this podcast nice thing to talk about it's just you're amazing and you're such an inspiration and what a wonderful family and life you've created for yourself well Ah, done thank you says this having not met all the kids (laughs) You have been listening to Bringing Up Us, a podcast hosted by me, Matilda Sturridge, and produced by The Pink Protest. You can follow me on Instagram at Matilda Sturridge. If you have liked this podcast, please remember to rate, review and subscribe. It really helps. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.